You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestoakville.ca. Again, a warm welcome to all who are here today, and of course, especially to those who are visiting with us. My name is Robbie Simons. I have the privilege of being pastor here at this church. And again, a welcome to those in this room, and as Craig said, in the upstairs overflow Uh, bless you, and then in the family room, bless you, and then seated in the lobby as well, bless you, bless you. All right, now, here's what you have to do today, which is very, very important, because you've come this far, you might as well get the most out of it. You got to find a copy of God's Word, all right? You got to find a Bible somewhere, or read off someone, or grab it from the seat in front of you, or steal your neighbors, whatever it takes, but get a Bible, because the Bible is the Word of God. It was written by God. Um, that our lives might be changed. And so I'm just going to go through verse by verse right now in Romans chapter 8. So you find the book of Romans in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And again, you've come this far, so why not give it the full opportunity to hear from the Lord and to see what he will do through this amazing passage of Scripture, Romans 8. And we'll be looking at verses 31 to 39, uh, Lord willing, right now. I want you to know, too, especially those who are visiting with us, we've been praying for you very hard as loved ones as a church and um, for many days, weeks, months, and maybe even years. And we believe that God is going to speak today. We believe that God is alive and that you are not here by accident, and we're all going to be blessed as we encounter him. And so we ask him because we need him. So especially right now, all the believers that are here right now, all the believers who believe in the power of prayer, as I pray, you pray too. Like, let's do this. Like, let's, let's go against the forces of darkness right now. And let's ask that God shines light in a way that we have yet to see. And I just believe that that can happen. And as you believe as a believer, then you pray with me right now. Don't let me just do it, all right? Let's join together and let's see a supernatural activity for the things of God right now. I feel with faith for that. And this is a battle, but it's a right battle. This world is dark and evil. Jesus Christ is light and love. We seek him. We seek him right now. And Father, I do seek you, and I hold to the promises, Jesus Christ, that you said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. And you told your church to go make disciples, and you promised that you would be with them always. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so that is the promise I hold to right now, Lord, your authority, your power, your presence, O oh God, with us now. And just to think, Lord, as the women approach the tomb on that first Easter morning, as they were there filled with sadness, the angel greets them and says, why do you search for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And what must have filled the hearts of those women as they go, they run, they tell. And the moment that news began to spread, it was the news of the greatest day in the history of the world that here we are 2,000 years later, an ocean apart on a different continent, in a different language, in a different people group with a nation that couldn't even have been thought of 2,000 years ago. And here we are gathered for the same reason the news was first shared he is not here he is risen and it's that truth that we proclaim again today and God I need you we need you and we pray that you will have your way among us Lord today is a matter of life and death We are not here to go through the motions in the name of Jesus Christ. Set us free in the name of Jesus Christ. Speak in the name of Jesus Christ. Be honored. Be honored in every word 
every prayer, every song that is sung among every person, I pray again in your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Romans 8 verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is the mind-blowing, life-altering question that is the result and the outcome of the fruit of Easter. The fruit of Easter allows us to ask the question with such confidence and love, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Because the fruit of Easter is the unbreakable salvation that is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. If God is for us then, because of the truth and love of Easter, who can be against us? In other words, if the sovereign, holy, all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent God is for us. If the creator of the universe, the God who holds the waters, the Bible says, all the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand, the God who measures the universe with the span of his hand, from his thumb to his pinky, the Bible says, that's how awesome and great our God is. If the God who has heaven as his throne and the earth as his footstool, Isaiah 66 says, if this God is for us, then I like our chances. I like our chances a lot. You get in your family huddle and you're calling the play and you got your team together and all of a sudden you realize, wait, wait, there's someone else on our team. It's God. God's in our huddle. Again, I like our chances. I like our chances in life. I particularly like our chances in death. If God is for us, then who, who can be against us? But how do we know God is for us? The very next verse in Romans 8, verse 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Question, how do you know when someone's for you? It's when they do anything for you. It's when they do anything, and I mean anything. Some of us might give our lives for the love of someone else that we cherish. Some of us might do that. But how many of us would give one of our children to die for someone else? Honestly, how many of us would love another so much we would sacrifice one of our children? Better yet, how many of us would give our son, our only son, to die in the place of another? And yet this is the love of the Father. This is the love of Easter. This is the power of the gospel. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him, with Christ, graciously give us all things? Here's the definition of anything. He who did not spare his own son. The love of Easter, the love of God was so strong and so powerful for the world and particularly for the sin of the world that he would not spare his own son, but gave him, translation, sent him to die that we might live. What is this? It's the love of God. It's the unfathomable incomprehensible really to the human mind, love of God found on Good Friday and raised on Easter Sunday. Let's be clear of this. Here's a quote from Octavius Winslow. He said this, who delivered up Jesus to die? Not Judas for money. Let's be clear of that. Not Pilate out of fear. 
Not the Jews for envy. Who delivered up Jesus? It was the Father. It was the Father for love. That's why Jesus died, and Jesus willingly laid down his life for you and for me. So listen, when someone is willing to do anything for you, that means they're also willing to give everything. Sometimes we say, I'll do anything for you, and if you really mean that, I'll do anything for you, then whatever I have is yours. Whatever I have, including my very life, whatever I have, I give to you. If I'm willing to do anything, then I'll give you my everything. And this is the love of the Father upon the world. How will he not also with him, with Christ, graciously give us all things? Here again is the glory and the power of Easter. We who on our own have nothing. We who on our own are riddled with sin. We are nothing. We who on our own deserve death. We who on our own, the Bible says, are poor, blind, and naked, Revelation 3. We who are wretched in sin, Romans 7. We who are dead in sin, Ephesians 2. The glory and the wonder of Easter is this. How could we go from poor spiritual beggars to having the opportunity to become co-heirs with Christ in the immense riches granted to the Son of God. How is it possible that we as poor spiritual beggars in Easter have the opportunity to become co-heirs with the Son of God in the inheritance that God has given to him we share with Christ? That is the love, that is the power, that is the grace, that is the mercy that is found in the gospel. How will he not also with Christ graciously give us all things? You see what Paul's saying here in this letter? If God gives his son, there's no greater gift than the son. Jesus Christ holds infinite value, surpassing worth. There is no greater gift in all of eternity. And if God has granted us his son in love, well, then he's willing in his grace to give us all things then, the text says. But you see the word graciously? This is so key. The word graciously means undeserved. What is grace? It's getting what you don't deserve. That's why it's grace. You say grace at the dinner table because you don't deserve the food, but God has provided it for you by his love and kindness. It's grace. If you earn it, it ceases to be grace. But grace is something we do not deserve, and yet we are given it. So you can't earn grace. You must receive grace. There's so many people throughout this world trying to earn grace. You can't earn the favor of God. You receive the grace and the love of God. No one will stand before God as a co-heir in Christ and say, I deserve this. I was a great person. I, no one will say that. You will stand before the Lord in judgment and understand anything given to you by grace has been 100% unmerited favor simply because of the favor, the blessing, the mercy, and listen, the love of of God. And so you see then what the Lord does through Easter. He's not a penny-pinching, stingy God. No, he's a wondrous, infinitely generous God who graciously gives us all things. He who would not spare his own son, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? But some might ask right now, well, what are these all things? He, he sent his son, but what, what does it mean that he graciously gives us all things? Here's a sample of the all things that God entrusts to us in the gospel with his son on the screen beside me here. The first one is this. All things includes forgiveness of sins. 
Through Jesus Christ, the Father grants total and complete forgiveness of any and all sins. He didn't spare his son, therefore he's not going to spare forgiveness either. I mean, just think about that. Think of the people right now, here, upstairs, family room, lobby. Think of the people walking around with such guilt, walking around suffering in such shame because of sin. And there's this weight on our backs that is weighing us down. And we're, just get it off, get it. But we can't get it off. It's killing us, but we can't, we can't reach it. And it's lowering us as we go down because of the, of the weight and the heaviness and the destruction of sin and the reality ruining our lives and ruining our marriages and ruining our children and ruining us. That's why Jesus Christ came. There is total and complete forgiveness that is offered through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of you are like, for real? Like, I could be forgiven of everything I've ever done and the things that haunt me and the sin I have yet to commit? The answer is yes. This is the love of God. He graciously gives us all things in his son. The second thing we find in the all things here is light and love. The father delights to give light. He would delight to give light today. He loves to give love. For the darkest heart, listen, there is light. For the coldest heart, and there are some here, for the coldest heart, he gives love. And how many of us, if we're honest, would long for light? We know we're surrounded in darkness. How many of us long for love? We're so tired of being so angry. We're so tired of being so bitter. We're so sickened by the sickness within us, the sin that's ruining us, and we long for light. We're so tired of darkness. We're so tired of hatred. Why is there so much hatred and jealousy and envy and bitterness? Set me free from this body of death, O God. That's the point of Easter. That's the point of the gospel. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also graciously with him give us all things, forgiveness of sins, light and love, thirdly, renewal in the whole man, meaning if God did not spare his son, he will cause us to be born again, to be a new creation. What Jesus does in the gospel, he takes a heart of stone, which is dead, and he replaces it with a heart of flesh, which is alive. And when you are renewed in your being, which is what happens, and the Spirit of God makes you a new creation, you think differently, you see differently, because you are completely different. You are absolutely alive. This is why Nicodemus, when Jesus says you must be born again, Nicodemus is like, how do I do that? Do I climb into the, in the womb of my mother again? He's like, no, no, you don't get it. Born of water and of the Spirit, born of flesh. Everyone's born of flesh once. You must be born again of the Spirit of God. And when you are renewed, and Jesus Christ comes and saves you, you literally become a new person, and you and you've seen that in other people. They're just different. They've changed. They're not perfect, but they're changed. They are moving. And what happened? The gospel happened. The grace of God happened. But the Lord loves to graciously give forgiveness, light, and love, renew in the whole man. Fourthly, this, the Holy Spirit. So he do not spare his own son. He will also grant us the Holy Spirit. How glorious this truth is. What does the Holy Spirit do? He lives within us. He makes us new. He guides us. He teaches us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. He heals us. He empowers us. He grants us joy. I can only imagine the hundreds of circumstances here today of people who are searching for guidance. You're like, I'm lost. I'm lost. You're searching for guidance searching for purpose, 
searching for strength. I'm so weak. I'm so run down. I, I can't keep going. Searching for healing. How many here in pain and heartache and misery? I'm so desperately looking for healing. The Holy Spirit brings healing. People longing for joy. Just flat out, I long for joy. Why can't I? Why isn't the world doing it? Why can't I find joy? Listen, he who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is the power and the love of Easter. But you must notice this within the text. You must see this in the text. And look again in verse 32. How will he not also with him? Circle that, underline it, do something with that. Those two words, with him. How will he not also with him, with Christ, graciously give us all things? You see what the Bible's saying today? Listen up, listen up, listen up. Everyone in this building, listen up. There is no grace apart from him, Jesus Christ. There is no peace with God apart from him, Jesus Christ. There is no heaven. There is no path to heaven apart from him, Jesus Christ. There is no life. There's only death apart from Jesus Christ. There's only life in him. How will he not also with him, with him, with him, with Christ graciously give us all things? Here's what a lot of people want to do in this life. A lot of people want the all things, but they don't want him. They want the forgiveness. They want the love. They want the great feelings. They want the guidance. They want the provision, but they don't want Christ. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It must be in him, with him. John 1 says about Jesus, all things were made through him. All things. And without him was not anything made that was made. In Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus Christ is life. Jesus Christ is the light of men. You can't have the all things if you don't have Christ. But if you do have Christ, how will he not also then with Christ graciously give us all things? And this is the truth of Easter. This is the truth that is to be received by faith. It's the power and the life of Easter that is received again by faith in Christ. And when you have this faith, with it comes an impenetrable defense. Look now at verse 33. Verse 33, it says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So if God is for us, then who can be against us? Meaning here in verse 33, therefore, what person can charge the child of God who is saved by grace through faith in Christ because it's God who justifies. What does that mean? It means God in a courtroom term and language, God declares someone to be innocent when they receive his son Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And if God stands in the courtroom as judge and slams down his gavel and says, you are innocent, the charges are dropped, what person will come up and declare God's judgment to be unjust? Who then would dare to accuse a child of God of not being a child of God? Who would dare to bring a charge to which God has said the charges have dropped? But all oh, the critics try. 
And all the enemies try. And all our attackers try. And even our own heart tries to condemn us over and over. Listen, the demons of hell, they try and charge us with guilt. Oh, but in Christ, all accusations will fall. You have to know this. Again, in this courtroom scene in Romans 8, who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, and you stand before God with Jesus Christ in you who has taken away your sin, and God sees his son, and God says, bam, you are innocent. You are my child, and the defense rises to your defense with Christ. But listen, the prosecution, they won't even show up. The prosecutor won't even make an appearance because no one in the end will dare to stand beside you and dare to make a claim of conviction or charge to that which God has said. My child is innocent. That's where life is to be lived. That's the freedom of the gospel. This is the power and the love of Easter. And some of you are here, and if you understood what was just said, you were like, is that even possible? you mean that I can live in such a way that the charges against me and all the accusations and hate that comes against me and even within myself will not stand? You mean there's a way to live in that freedom that I can silence the voices and know that I'm secure in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just for now, but forever and ever? You mean that's even possible, Pastor Robbie? The answer is yes. It is possible in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he came and died. That's why he was raised from the dead out of love for us to set us free. It's faith in Christ that causes us to be cleansed by his blood that removes our guilt and brings on innocence because of Christ. And Jesus then who holds all authority says, my child, you're washed, you're clean, you're set free. No wonder then the very next phrase in verse 34 is, who is to condemn Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. No wonder then it says, and who is to condemn? Because if God declares you innocent by the blood of his son, listen, no one, no one can condemn. No one. The power and the love of Easter. And we see in verse 34, we see that Easter is the reason for this innocence. Easter is the reason for this freedom. And look at verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, here we go, here we go. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. This is the heart of our passage. This is the heart of our weekend. And therefore, this is the very heart of the whole entire Christian life. This is the gospel right here. How can I be set free from all accusations? How do I know that God is for me? Then who can be against me? It's right here. Jesus Christ is the one who died, it says. And why did he die for our sin? He died for you. He died for me. Jesus was condemned, listen, so that we would not be. The death that you and I deserved, Jesus Christ took on himself. The punishment for our sin that was to be ours, it became his. And so when this happens and we are saved in Christ, we can too say, who is to condemn? You're going to condemn me? You can't. I'm saved. I'm cleansed, man. I'm bought with the blood of Jesus, not by what I've done, what Christ has done. You can't touch me. I'm going to glory because, all because of what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus Christ is the one who died. The text says, though, more than that. Didn't stop there. More than that, he was raised. The crucifixion leads to the resurrection. Why is the resurrection so vital? 
And without the resurrection, why is there no Christian faith? Two main reasons. When Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, it proves he has defeated death. If he's not raised, he hasn't defeated death. The grave has held every other human being of all time. The grave could not hold Jesus. When he bursts forth from the tomb at that very moment, he is boasting over death. Hey, death, where's your sting? Hey, death, where's your victory? Jesus Christ defeated death the moment he was raised from the dead. And the second thing we know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what's so imperative, the moment he is raised, it proves that his sacrifice for sin was accepted by the Father. If he wasn't raised, the Father was not satisfied with the payment of sin by Jesus. But he was raised. And that means that sin has been paid for and the gift of life is now offered he died, he was raised. The text says he is seated or he is at the right hand of God. What is this? This is the proof now of the exaltation of the Father. Jesus died, he was raised. But more than that, he now seated, seated, sits at the right hand of the Father. Philippians 2 says that Jesus was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above all names. You see what happens? He died, he is raised, and because the payment has been made, the proof of that is the supreme exaltation of Jesus Christ beside the Father where he is right now. There is no greater place of honor, there is no greater place of authority than at the right hand of God. This is the glory and the wonder of Jesus Christ that he is at right now and he awaits his second coming for his final triumph. Because Philippians 2 also says, given the name of all names, and at the name of Jesus, this, this time is coming soon, at the name of Jesus, I tell you the truth by the word of God, every knee will bow, every, not just believers, every person in the universe, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because he died, he was raised, and he is at the right hand of the Father. And it says in our text, who indeed is interceding for us. This is amazing. Died, raised, right hand of God. Now he's praying for us. Why does it matter that Christ is praying for us? It matters because he secures our salvation. As he prays for us, he keeps our inheritance in heaven for us. He's the one who is interceding for us even now. The Father loves us. Jesus Christ loves us, securing for us the gift of grace through faith as we receive him. What a Savior died, raised, right hand of God who prays for us. But remember, remember, all of this stems from the question in the very same verse, which is, who is to condemn? Who is to condemn? You see? Who is to condemn when Jesus died and was raised as the right hand of the Father who intercedes for us? Who can condemn? This is the freedom found in Jesus Christ, the saved in Christ. Who can ever challenge them? I mean, as a, as, a, as a genuine believer of Jesus Christ, you can literally stand upon the universe and say, who will condemn? Who will bring a charge against me? Bring it. Bring it, not because of what I have done, because of what Christ has done for me. Who will condemn? Who will charge me with fault? And silence will reverberate throughout the universe because no one will be able to condemn the child of God washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
This is the freedom offered in the gospel. But think of the weight that we carry right now. Think of the shame that we carry. Think of the anxiety. Think of the stress that we fight against. Think of the burdens that we bear. That's why Jesus Christ came, to set you free from this. This is the power and the love of Easter. It destroys all voices and all accusations. Think of how insecure we are. Think of how often we're just trying to manipulate situations so people will think better of us and that we can feel more worthy in ourselves and feel, have more self-esteem and all that blah, 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 blah. But in the gospel, that doesn't even matter anymore because all that matters is what one thinks of us. And the moment we are in Christ, our identity is 100% in him, which means that we are 100% secure. There are so many of us who long for that freedom. This is why Jesus Christ came. This is the power of the gospel that does not matter what so and so says. All that matters is who I am in Jesus Christ. You see the freedom? You see the freedom of Easter? You see the freedom in the gospel? The freedom from condemnation? It's so awesome. But notice this. This is so key. And a day like today, in a service like this, and the people that are here, this freedom from accusation and condemnation does not come from us. It doesn't come from our doing. It doesn't come from our works. It's not from our effort. Notice what the word of God says. Any and all freedom is accomplished by the work of Christ. There's not one ounce of our effort in this passage. Not one. Not one iota. There's no you trying to be a good person. There's no you showing up at church at Easter and saying prayers or or trying to do good. There's none of that. Not one ounce of you or me in this text at all that results in any favor from God. It is all Jesus Christ. You don't get to heaven by being a good person. You get to heaven by accepting a perfect Savior who died for you. You have to see that in the text. If you're here right now and you think, well, I get to heaven because I'm better than him. No, 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 no. One sin keeps you out of heaven. One sin keeps you and me out of heaven. One. One. Everything in here is the work of Jesus Christ. 100% Jesus 100% void of you and I and our effort. And that's why we 100% need the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what's happening here? You can't earn Jesus. You can't earn Jesus. So some of you think that you can earn Jesus. Man, you you gotta get that lie right now and crumple it up and stomp it and kill it. You must receive Jesus. You must receive him. Some of you are here right now. You're tired. You're weary. You've been trying so hard for so long, trying to climb a mountain of holiness, trying to do it on your effort, trying to strive for the things you think will add up, and they keep letting you down and keep letting you down. I say to you in the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ today, listen, it's time to give up. It's time to stop trying. It's time to stop doing it your way. It's time to take your weariness and run to Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus says in Matthew 11? He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And he says this. These words could change your life. And I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. How many of us walking here today, we are weary. We are heavy laden. We are so burdened. That's why Jesus Christ came. That's why he died. And that's why he rose from the dead. He invites you today. He invites you to give up on self and give in to Christ. 
where the love of God begins to fill and flood your life and he makes you new and all of you is gone and all of Christ is replacing this. You see, when you receive Easter love, you receive a eternal love. Let me say that again. Eternal love. Think about that. It's a long time eternal love you know we're in relationship with people and we do one wrong thing to them and then they they get bitter us and they anger us and they leave us and it changes but the love of God cannot fail it lasts for eternity look at verse 35 says who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation distress persecution famine or nakedness or danger or sword I like what Paul does here. I'm so glad this is in our text here today because some people think, hey, if I follow Jesus, hey, just come up to the front, sign a card, walk the aisle, and Jesus will make your life so sweet and happy and healthy and wealthy and everything's fine from then on in. That's a lie. That's not in the Bible. What's in the Bible is what we see here before us right here. The reality is you need to know this. We say this all the time around here at Harvest. Life in Christ is not easier. It's just way hey, 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 better way but listen it's not easier it's not easier but it's so much better what do we know from these verses and what do we know is true today it's the church of jesus christ that's being persecuted all over this world it's christians who are hated all over this world it's jesus christ that our very society here is increasingly turning against and increasingly every day It's Jesus himself who said, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Just so much evidence and proof of the reality of evil versus good. Jesus Christ being good. Please be clear, following Jesus Christ will not be easy street, but let me be crystal clear. Following Jesus Christ is the only path to eternal life. The only one. No one comes to the Father, Jesus says, but by me but here's the problem so many people live for now they live for right now i want more stuff i want more me i want more entertainment i want more pleasure i want more money i want more items i want more me 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 and they are so obsessed with the now they don't take any time to look at what will be called eternity and so many reject the cost of following christ Because they love the now more. And those people, the moment they die, will live in eternity in regret. They will have an eternal regret of forsaking Christ for the now as opposed to forsaking the now for the love of Christ. But Jesus doesn't force us, but he invites us. And here's the power of life in Jesus Christ. Here's the power of Easter. The text says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? And the answer is, is of course, no. But we think here, we think all these situations, we fear tribulation, we fear distress, we fear persecution, we fear famine, we fear nakedness, we fear danger, and yes, we fear the sword for sure. Think of how fear paralyzes our world. How it paralyzes our world. But think of how faith in Christ liberates us for freedom from the very things that we're most afraid of. Because in verse 36, you'll see what Paul adds, quoting Psalm 44. He says, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. You might look at that and say, Isn't that an exaggeration, Paul? And she kind of going all the overboard there. I mean, sheep to be slaughtered, killed all the day long, and yet just a month and a half ago, 21, he 
Egyptian Coptic Christians placed on their knees with a knife to their throat asking to recant of their faith in God. And instead of recanting of their faith, they called out to the Jesus that they served who has saved them. And whether they knew it in their past, they knew it in that moment. They knew this truth right here that neither persecution, distress, famine, nakedness, danger, and even the very sword will never separate from them from the love of Christ. And they chose the love of Christ as opposed to giving him up. And that is such a powerful, powerful thing. And now they are in perfection and harmony and beauty with the Lord Jesus Christ right now because they understood nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. And in the end, they chose Jesus as opposed to the world. Even just this week, 147 Christians in Kenya separated from the non-Christians. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? It's good versus evil, loved ones. That's what it is. It's the hatred for Christ. Separate the Christians from the non-Christians. Slaughtered them. Why? Because they love Jesus. And yet nothing will separate them from the love of Jesus Christ. I'm glad this portion is here right now because following Christ is not easy. But it is so much better. And the reality is, is Christians will not find the world's favor, but they will have God's favor. And here's the question that faith must answer in life. Here's the question that faith must answer. In the end, whose team do I want to be on? Do I want to be on the world's team, Satan's team? Or do I want to be on God's team? In the end, which is more valuable to me? In the end, which do I believe actually leads to eternal life? Is it with the world or is it with Christ? Is it with Satan or is it with my Father in heaven? That's the question faith must answer. And so Paul says, what shall separate me from the love of Christ? And look at his answer there in verse 37. So beautiful. He says, no, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. You can kill us, man. We'll still win. You can take off our heads. We'll still win more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. He says, I am sure, I am sure, neither death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, Christians are mocked, ridiculed, persecuted, and increasingly killed for their faith, but the Bible says they are more than conquerors, literally hyper-conquerors, super-conquerors. Victory with stuff to spare is what that text means. For those who have faith in Jesus Christ, this is their reality and love for him. Why do true Christians win? Because Jesus won, that's why. Don't you see? This is why we cheer at Easter. It's eternal victory over death. If God's love is found, then God's love can never, ever be lost. Paul says, I am sure, not death, nor demons, nor time, nor space, no one or anything else in creation can separate me from God's love. Notice the first three words he says there. He says, for I am sure. Here's a question. Look right here, look right here, look right here, look right here. Everyone listen so carefully to this right here. Paul says, I am sure. Question, question. Are you sure? Are you sure if you died today and you stood before God, is Jesus Christ your Savior? Are you sure that nothing will separate you from the love of God? Do you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's the Savior of the world? Paul says, I am sure. Not death, not demons, not time, not space, nothing in all creation. He says, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. 
Are you sure? Because when you can answer that question with certainty, your life will never be the same again. This is the point of Easter. This is the reason we gather, that we can be sure in the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, we are his children, sons and daughters, never ever to die because of his love. One more time, are you sure? Are you sure? Again, you can be sure today. Think of what we've heard today, the power and the glory and the love of Easter. Because of the truth of Easter, I know this, God is for me. I can't lose, I can't lose ever. That's awesome. Because of the truth of of Easter, God gave his only son for me. And will he not also graciously with Christ give me all things? I know from the truth of Easter, I'm declared innocent of all sins. No one can charge me. No accusations will stand against me. Because of the truth of Easter, Jesus died, was raised, is seated with God, and prays for me, securing my salvation. Because of the truth of Easter, Jesus Christ has loved me with a love that simply cannot fail ever, ever, an unbreakable, undying everlasting, unfailing love. This is the truth of Easter. Because of the power and truth of Easter, we can say, if God is for me, then who can be against me? But notice the final five words in our passage in verse 39. The final five words. Notice they are here. It says, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, that's everything. All of life is in Christ Jesus. There is no all thing. There is no grace. There is no heaven. There is no eternal life apart from Jesus Christ our Lord. And here's what you also must listen to just as I end right here. Listen very, very closely. All this truth, all this truth, this life-changing truth is for those who don't work hard, don't attend church, don't do good deeds, This life-changing truth of the unfailing, unbreakable love of God to make you his child, to put you secure in him forever that you will never die, this life-changing truth is only for those who believe. Only for those who receive the gift of grace of Jesus into their lives by believing in him. You must hear me. You must believe You must believe that Jesus is Lord. You must believe that God raised him from the dead. And when you confess that, the Bible says, you shall be saved. You must believe that you have sin that needs to be forgiven. And Jesus Christ is your Savior. Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ, make me new. Take my mess Take my self-destruction. Take my filth. Take my ugliness. Take all the things that are rotting me from the inside. Take them. Cleanse me. Wash me by your blood. Make me your child by grace through faith. In Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the power and the love of Easter. I'm going to ask you to be quiet and still. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. You've come this far. You've opened God's word. And we cannot let this moment go without giving an invitation to people who are here today in this room, upstairs in the youth room, in the family room right now, in the lobby, hearing this message on some level at some point. 
in the stillness of this moment, not trying to look around between you and God, heads bowed, eyes closed, between you and the maker of heaven and earth. If you are here today and Jesus Christ is speaking to you specifically in terms of Jesus, I'm here today because I am called to be saved. I am a sinner in need of a savior. I invite you into my life. If you are here today and God is speaking to you, then you pray this prayer with me. You say in your own words, Jesus, I have sinned, save me. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Jesus, I invite you into my life to forever defeat death where I will stand and no one will make a charge against me because you have taken all my sin. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. And you now, you are Lord. I'm not driving anymore, God. I'm done driving in my life. You now take the wheel. You are in charge. You are Savior. You are Lord. Come, Lord Jesus Christ. Set me free. Grant me life. And you can pray that prayer wherever you are in this building right now. And you say, oh, Jesus, in your name I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And again, just in the privacy, I pray, and the respect of this moment, if you are praying that prayer today and you desire Jesus Christ to enter into you once and for all, to become a child of God, and you've done that, and you want to do that today, I'll ask that wherever you are, that you would stand right now. Just stand where you are right now. Amen. I see you, my child. Amen. In overflow, you stand. Family room, you stand. In the lobby, you stand. Jesus Christ says, if you're ashamed of me, then how can I not be ashamed of you? I see you, my dear, right there. I see you to my right. Today, I want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. You keep standing. People keep raising to their feet for the glory of God and for Jesus Christ. Do not hold back. Amen. I see you, young man. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, loving Jesus Christ. Who else here today needs the love of God, the unbreakable, unfailing love of God? Do not let your pride hold you back. Amen. I see you and I see you right in front of me and at the back between you and God today at the very, very back final row. Bless your heart between you and God. Amen. I see you gentlemen standing up there at the very back just in front of the Samba. Bless your heart. Amen. Amen. To my left. Amen. At the back left praying in overflow right now standing because you need Jesus Christ for God so loved the world. He gave his only son and whoever believes in him Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is not a game. This is the difference between heaven and hell. This is the love of God. He loves you. He calls you. I believe there are other people right now. You're holding back. You are holding back. Stop holding on to self and call out to Christ. Who else needs Christ today? Amen. I see you. Amen. Amen. Give up pride and give into love. Let him love you. Let him love you. Save me, Jesus. Who else? You keep standing. You keep standing because God's not done working. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother, right in front of me. Amen. God is saving lives in our midst. Amen, sister. Amen. At the back. He's changing lives. Are you next? He calls your name because he loves you. 
He doesn't want you to die. He wants you to live. You're not here by accident. We don't rush these moments. It's too important. Is there anyone else here today in the youth room right now upstairs? You stand up. Say, Jesus, save me. You're in the family room right now. Put your pride aside. Jesus, stand. Jesus, save me. I stand for you. Amen. I just saw you. The back there, bless you, brother. For the love of God, anyone else here today receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? So blessed to see the faith that God is giving in this room. I'd love to pray for you right now as you indicate to God you want your life to be changed in Him. Let us all pray, church, and just remain standing if you are. For the glory of God, I pray, Lord, that every heart indicating to you right now, Lord, they believe, Jesus, that you are Lord. They believe, Jesus, that you are Savior. They believe, Jesus Christ, that you came and you died for them, for their sins. It was our sin that nailed you to the cross because you loved us so much and they believe that you rose from the dead. And right now, children standing up all over this church right now, you just confess to Jesus Christ, Jesus, you are Lord. You just say that in your heart, Jesus, you are my Savior. Jesus, set me free and make me alive. Jesus, cause me to have life that I will never, ever die again. Jesus, grant me the joy that is only found in you. You pray that to him right now and you believe in your heart that he has made you new forever new and know this know this my brothers and sisters as you give your heart to christ you've just received a love that will never ever ever fail you ever that's what he does unbreakable undying everlasting love why because he's so kind and so generous not that we deserve it because he loves to give it may you be protected May you be so cherished in Christ. And may you grow abundantly in what God has done. Yes, Lord, thank you for your gospel. And thank you for moments like these. Oh, how we need you. Oh, how we need you. The love of God upon us all, I pray.